Hey guys, and welcome back to the Winging It podcast. I'm Lucy Hitchcock, founder, podcast host, rosé lover, and dog mum. After I discovered the London agency life and corporate world made me severely unhappy, I left my nine to five job in 2015 and founded my own digital marketing agency, Sassy Digital. After carving out my own career path, I found that lots of others were reaching out to me on Instagram asking how I'd managed to create my dream career and have a life that I love because of it. So the Winging It podcast was born. I want to help business babes and career women all over the world do the same as me and have a career that makes them happy, whether that's working for someone else or starting your own business. In 2020, during a global pandemic, I founded my second business, Partner in Wine, after discovering that I had nothing to keep my beloved rosé cool on the go while having socially distanced drinks with my friends. I created the Partner in Wine, an insulated bottle shaped like a wine bottle that holds a full bottle of wine, keeps it cool for up to 24 hours in the summer and warm for up to 12 hours in the winter. You're listening to Series 4, This series, I'm going through each and every step that I took that has made Partner in Wine the success that it is today. Just six months after launch, not only have we had a sellout Christmas, we've now moved into a fulfillment centre to keep up with demand. We've been featured in several publications such as the Daily Mail, Good Housekeeping magazine, The Sun and The Mirror. We've collaborated with my all-time favourite rosé brand, Mirabu, and we have had some really, really exciting developments, which I will share with you throughout 2021. So in this series, let's learn how to successfully bring a product to market. This series is for everyone. Whether you're thinking about launching, you've already got a product out there and you want to emulate this success, or you're just interested to see what it takes to bring an idea to life. Now let's get into today's episode. Lydia! Lucy! The double L's. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Double L, blonde, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, the secret bra size, the double L's. <laughs> <laughs> secret bra size that nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. Lydia, welcome to the podcast. This is really exciting because not only, well, we'll get onto this in a second, but not only have you listened to my podcast before, which is how we met, but also... This is the first recording for series four, and I've not felt motivated to record this podcast since the beginning of the year. So there you go. Well, let's get that motivation back because I am a huge fan of the podcast, major fan, and I'm so grateful to be on it. So exciting. I first listened to this back in, I think it was about six months ago, and I put a story out sharing your podcast. And then from there, our friendship and work friendship has grown. I know. So it's very exciting. This is how I like meet all the best people. Like they slide into my DMs or like tag me and stuff. And I'm like, hi, let's work together. (laughs) It's almost like work dating, isn't it? I know it is. But also like, I find this so weird because at school, like when you used to meet people on the internet, people would be like, oh, you met them on the internet. And you'd be like, yeah, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Some of my closest friends are people that I've met through work. Because you just share that mutual, you understand work life as well as fun life. Yeah, you do. It's great. So please introduce yourself for people who don't know who you are. I am Lydia, Lydia Collins, not James, James Bond. (laughs) And I'm a fashion lifestyle photographer based in London. But post-COVID time, we'll be traveling again. I do travel a fair amount for work. I've been a freelance photographer for three and a half years now. I actually feel like I never celebrate when I hit a year. I'm always like, oh, I missed that year again. You know, when you go to three and a half years, you're like, damn it, I missed it again. Do you know what? Oh my God, I no. make a massive point of celebrating every year. I'm like, woo, that's pop a bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm based in London. I do a lot of lifestyle and fashion photography for brands, influencers, individuals. And then I also do a lot of product photography as well. Yes, you do. And you are the best. (laughs) So tell us a bit more about photography and like, how did you get into it? What did you study? Like, let's go back to the beginning. Actually, do you know what? I always ask people, I've forgotten about this. I always ask people what their very, very, very first job was. Like, I want like a shit job, like a sort of cleaning ashtrays type job. Oh, you might not have had one, but you know. No, I worked, I can't remember the company now, but it was a catering company. And this was my first job at the age of 14. And it was a catering company. And I remember legally, I could only work two hours a day. 
and it was at this race course track in Kempton Park and I was basically called the runner which I would take the food and the drinks from the kitchen to the table oh and that was my job for two hours a day and then when I hit 16 I could increase it so I stayed there for about four years and then that was school and college era so that was my first job what a different life you live now yeah yeah I mean it was great fun it was all just young people working there but yeah it was not a job I would want to be doing now I don't think it was not the most glamorous wow do you know what I've never actually been to Kempton Park but it's literally down the road from me yeah it's got a great market there as well I mean I don't know if it's on at the moment but yeah I think before lockdown but during the like the middle bit between lockdowns they were having a great antique market there Oh, love an antique market. Anything furniture, yeah. I love. Yeah, I need to go. I need to go and see what treasures I can find. <laughs> okay, cool. And then so after that, you did you go to uni? What did you do next? Talk me through. So I, I'll cut this down to a very short version because it's a fairly long version. But I was introduced to photography as a course in secondary school so it was opened up as a course for a GCSE which was kind of unheard of I mean I still think it's quite rare to have it as a GCSE course but my school basically employed this new arts teacher and she was a photographer so I think she heavily pushed for photography to be a GCSE course and I was very much into arts I loved the creativity side of it I wasn't too keen on the academic subjects I enjoyed them but arts and crafts was like where my passion was and that's what I enjoyed the most yeah so when it was introduced I was like yes I'll take it so I took art as one GCC and photography as another and then two academic GCSEs and that was where I was kind of first introduced to photography not just as something you could have as a passion but also my photography teacher the arts teacher that we had was insane she was heavily connected in the industry So from such a young age, I was introduced to also the business side of it. So how you can actually make money through photography. I mean, for example, she hosted a competition when I was in year 11, where we were all put into teams. And one of the teams, there was a photography competition, and one of the teams would win a Vivian Westwood catwalk pass. What? And the other team would win a photo shoot with Rankin, who was at the time, he probably still is, the UK's top fashion photographer, wow. studio work. So from the age of 15 and 16, that's a huge environment to be introduced to. So without realising at the time, it opened my eyes to actually having photography as a job. Yeah. And then I took it through college. So I did two years at college and then I did a foundation year. So an arts foundation year. That year was primarily because I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go to uni or not. I knew I wanted to study photography, but I didn't really know if I almost needed to, to get a job in photography. So that year was almost like my deciding year. And I was like, well, do you know what? I started looking into unis and I was like, to be honest, it sounds like a lot of fun for three years. I will take it. I'm going to do it. So uh, yeah, I did. I went to LCC, which is one of the UAL unis in London, University of the Arts London. The LCC campus was the photography section of the UAL, so the six unis under UAL, and the LCC one was the photography branch. And I absolutely loved it, but I do feel like it took a bit of a backseat in terms of actually the business side of photography. So I did feel like you weren't encouraged business-wise to make a name for yourself which is bizarre I don't think any uni should encourage you to do that and I think I don't know what it's like now because obviously it's been about six years since I was at uni but they didn't encourage being an entrepreneur they didn't encourage having your own business they didn't encourage like how you can succeed really odd it's bizarre isn't it and if you think also like you know if you're going to do a photography course and stuff you will end up being freelance I mean a lot of people in the creative industries like you know camera people editing all of that a lot of them are freelancers and you know go from project to project yeah exactly so and it was almost like oh, the only way you can really make money is if you sell your work in an exhibition, which is the most outrageous thing because that is so old school way of thinking of things. Like, it doesn't work like that anymore. Or like people selling, um, uh, what is it? Like you sell the, the rights to X, Y, and Z, that sort of thing. But that's kind of gone out the window with the internet, hasn't it? Yeah, completely. And, and we live in such a fast-paced world now where social media plays a huge part in everyone's brand that 
actually, there's so many different avenues you can go down. So yeah, after uni, I was a bit stumped, but I basically spent the whole of uni. I didn't photograph people at uni. I was always down these like really, it was kind of like the weirder the photos and the weirder the story, the better the result and the better the grade. And you know, I wasn't going to be an idiot about it. These lecturers and tutors, they were going to give me my degree at the end of the day. So I was, you know, do everything to make them please get the degree and then follow what I was actually wanting to shoot, which was people towards the end of the third year. I was really intrigued about shooting people and getting expression and emotion across. So I started my people photography journey, which was as soon as I handed in my final major project, I started reaching out to bloggers. And at the time, so this was yeah about five years ago, I think six years ago, at the time, blogging in terms of people wearing different clothes on Instagram, yeah, not the actual like internet side of blogging, was just coming about. So influencers was not a thing in terms of how we see influencers now. Obviously, there was different yeah. types of influencers back in the day, but this was when it first started out. So I was basically approaching bloggers because I, I saw a running theme and these ladies were having their photos taken by their mum or their boyfriend. So people that didn't really know how to use a camera or didn't know how to model someone in a way to make them look good and feel good and make the clothes look good. Yeah. So essentially selling the clothes, they didn't know how to shoot it in a way that would get the brand money. So I started reaching out because I needed to build up a major portfolio. If I wanted to explore this route as having this as a career, I knew I needed a massive portfolio. And in my mind, this portfolio was for me to go to magazines and be a contracted photographer in a magazine. So that was my aim. I was like, I want to be a contracted photographer within a magazine. Have you ever seen 13 Going on 30? Yes. Oh my gosh, one of my favorite films. So What she does for a job as a picture editor, I wanted to do that, but in terms of actually being the photographer side of it. So that was my aim. I had an aim. And although it very much changed throughout the 15 months, it's important to have something to aim for and then be a yes person, say yes to any opportunities that come your way. So I was doing free shoots every day, pretty much at least six days a week, sometimes seven for 15 months in London with bloggers. And how I approached them was to give them a free shoot for an hour in exchange for if they use the images on socials to credit me and tag me. So it was like a networking collaboration as well. So not only was I getting pictures and the clients were getting pictures and the brands were getting pictures, but there was also networking going on. I was promoting them, they were promoting me. And it was just a really, really good foundation to set myself. So then, yeah, I did that for 15 months. And I remember it was February and I got my first email to do a page shoot. And someone inquired about doing a page shoot. And I was like, oh my gosh, I do not know how much to charge. (laughs) Like, I've been doing it for free for 15 months. I have no idea. So that was my first introduction into actually the business side of it and how I was going to make it work. So yeah, and then three and a half years later, I'm here. So that was the short version that was quite long. So sorry about that. (laughs) Well, it wasn't that long, but like that's a really good (laughs) little brief in a nutshell. A few things here. Firstly, I would love to see some of your old work that you produce at uni. So oh yeah, please can you like dig some out of the archives and just post it on a story, just so that we can like. Yes, I will. They are so embarrassing, but I will do that for you. Tell your story. Share your story with the world. Well, I'll share one thing was the type of thing I used to do was I actually, this is horrendous. So for my final major project, I wanted to do self-portraits in my mum's wedding dress in an abandoned youth offenders that was in North London. So I found this youth offenders and I found my mum's wedding dress. This is horrendous. I didn't even tell her I was using it. I knew it was in the loft and I went upstairs and I found it in the loft. And I took it without answering her because I wanted to see her reaction when she came to my exhibition and there was photos of me in her wedding dress. (laughs) And she was shocked to say the least, but yeah, she wasn't angry, thank goodness. But yeah, that was an example of the type of work I produced at uni. So very different to what I do now, but yeah, it got me to where I am. So I'm not going to say that I regret it. (laughs) I definitely want to see these. Second, I mean, this is a question like on everyone's mind, like, People ask me this all the time. And 
you know, even now, I mean, we had a conversation about this prior to this recording of the podcast, but like, how did you know what to charge when you first started? Because I think when people go freelance or people start their own business, it's kind of like a stab in the dark sort of thing. Like, okay, I'll do a bit of research, see how much other people charge and then kind of go from there. Yeah. But how did you go about doing that? So I had, I think it was a pro and a con that I didn't have anyone I could ask. I didn't know anyone that was photographing bloggers or brands or anyone in the industry that was doing fashion related stuff that I could approach knowing that they'd tell me their rates. So this is something I get asked a lot, like, where do I start? How do I charge? What do I do? What's the copyright? All these questions. So how I started was what I was comfortable with. So what rate am I comfortable with that would A, cover my travel to and from London because I was living at home at the time. So I was living just outside of London. So it was like 15 pounds a day that I was traveling to and from London and my time. So I was doing an hour shoot and I was working out how long does it take me to edit one hour shoot and how many images does the person get for that? So at the time, I think my first shoot, I charged £30 mm. for an hour. And at the time as well, this was after uni, I was like, well, I don't want to be, I was working at a supermarket. So I was working at M&S in the evenings. It's not to work out though. Oh, it was great. I was on the time when you get the 10p food at the end of the day. So I was like, yes, bonus. But I was working at M&S in the evening. So I was doing four to six hour shifts in the evenings. And then in the day, that would allow me to go to London and shoot for free or for a rate that I was happy with. So it was £30. And don't forget that that was on top of my M&S wage as well. So I was happy. I had another income coming in. So this photography wasn't my bread and butter, which was also, I think, a very important aspect because it reduces the pressure off you. And, you know, you're not going to go in at a really high rate and then just get rejected. So I think one key thing is what do you feel comfortable with? And secondly, you know, you have to start fairly cheap if you are also starting out. Because I can't expect to go to clients and say, hire me if they can't see the work that I can produce. So I also knew I very much needed a bigger portfolio. I needed more examples of the work that I could get. So yes, I was getting paid a very small amount, but I was getting value in the work that I was creating because I knew that this would also get me future work. So a £30 shoot might generate four other shoots, four other £30 shoots. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's how I started my rates. And then over time, as I got more and more busy, I increased the rates. And this was also at the time when brands started investing into bloggers. So to begin with, in that £30 shoot, brands weren't paying bloggers to post pictures of their clothing. So the bloggers weren't getting paid. So then they can't pay a photographer. Yeah. So I just think I hit it. I was talking to my clients openly and said, look, are brands paying you to shoot? And some would say yes, some would say no. So I knew the ones that were saying yes, I could charge a higher fee because they would value that they needed these photos because then it would generate them more work. And they can also charge back to the brands. Exactly. So they could say, this is my fee to post this picture, but I need a photographer that would create high-end quality content for me. This is her fee. And then they charge it back onto the brand. Yeah. So it's just talking openly to people, which I think is really important. And working with people that you trust and know that aren't going to take you for a ride and that value your work. And I think over time, you'll start to understand the value of your work in terms of how much you should charge for an hour because a one hour shoot isn't a one hour payment because then you've got at least one hour of editing after, you know, so it's countering into that as well. Do you know what's interesting as well? I think about the way that you charge is I worked with a photographer maybe like three years ago for something else. And um, I just wanted to get some sort of personal branding images when I went full time with Sassy. Yeah. So he was like, this is the day rate. And then when the invoice came, he'd invoiced on top for editing. But obviously you ask someone for a quote and you expect them to give you, you know, like this is the full price, right? Yeah, 100%. This is the price. Oh, and by the way, because I spent half a day editing, also like this is the new price. And it's like, you always knew you were going to have to edit them. Yeah. And also that leaves you with a really sour taste about him because he's been sneaky and added on an extra fee, which you weren't aware of. So that's 100%. If you're giving a quote to a client, you tell them outright before you've even discussed what you're shooting, what your rate is, what you get for this rate and ask them if they've got any questions in terms of the fee or how you work. 
Yeah. Just being completely honest with everything from the get go. And yeah, don't add in sneaky rates in after. <laughs> That's not going to help anyone. <laughs> no, it's not. And I mean, I do this with clients as well. Like I would never dream of at the end being like, oh, by the way, you know, we ended up spending X amount of time extra on this. So it's going to be an extra 500 pounds because they'd be like, well, that's not part of my budget. So why wouldn't you just tell me that? Exactly. And how you work, you should know what you need to do in terms of how to smash it. Do you know what I mean? You should know what is involved in, you know, nailing what they're asking for. Yeah. I think the other way around is like a very old school way of working. Like people used to work like that all the time. Yeah. You know, not just in photography, but also obviously in what I do agency wise, you know, they just whack extra fees on, you know, here, there and everywhere. And it's kind of like, well, where have you got those numbers from? Yeah, exactly. It's pulling figures out of thin air. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is a question that people ask all the time. So, <laughs> you know, it's always good. I also think with pricing, like, actually, generally speaking, if you reach out to people and just ask, say, like, look, you know, I need a bit of help, even if you don't know them, just say, like, how did you know what to charge? I think people are more willing these days to obviously help other people out especially like I mean if women get in touch who are doing similar things to me you know I don't really see it as a competition I think it's nice to help other people out and be like depends on experience but I would have charged x y and z when I'd first started out and you know maybe you should have a think about that yeah a hundred percent and I think don't be afraid to test the water as well so test it with a figure that you feel comfortable goes back to this you feeling comfortable with it and also valuing your work but test a figure if you're not getting bookings with that figure you know it's too high so reduce it slightly then if you start getting bookings and also know the clients that are booking the certain figure so what are the clients that are booking with you and then see if you can go down a different route with different clients if they're not working for you so just test the water don't be afraid to test it I think is important as well yeah for sure Definitely. Well, we've talked a lot about service, which is yeah. well, service-based business. Well, people might listen to this who run a service-based business anyway. So, you know, <laughs> that's always helpful to have a different perspective. But what I really wanted to talk to you about is photography for brands and products because, well, by the time we get to this episode in the series, everyone will know what I've done, which is this year I launched my first product-based business, totally new business, totally different journey to running a service-based business, that's for sure. However, because I have done this so many times for other people and I know what it takes to make a brand take off with speed, one of the things that I think is the absolute key, aside from branding, I mean, this kind of comes into branding, but I think the key thing really is content and having something to post on social media, having stuff to send out to press, having good high quality images that actually show off your product, show what it is. You know, I mean, for me, you just can't put a price on that. That's honestly what I really believe has kind of helped us grow as quickly as we have. Yeah. And that is down to you, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been an absolute privilege being on board with you and your brand and actually understanding you as a person, but then what you want to convey in an image for your brand for Partner in Wine. So, I mean, it takes two to tango and it takes a good friendship to work well in terms of what you want me to produce and what I produce for you. Yeah. And just being clear from the get go. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think more than ever before, social media and online presence for brands make the biggest impact on any amount of sales. And the fundamental part of a presence online is imagery. Like not often do brands sell based on words, they sell based on imagery. And you can quickly understand a brand's feel and emotion and storytelling and what the brand's about by a collection of images. If you had a collection of five images from one brand and five images from another, you could quite easily distinguish what it feels, what you get from it, what the brand is and what their story is behind the brand. So I think, yeah, images are essential. I also think, I mean, for me, with Partner in Wine, it's not a necessary product. It's a luxury. It's a great gift at a good price point for a gift. But it's not, you know, some people have gone, I got a message on my website the other day going, Hi, can I have a discount? I was like, no, you can't have a discount. <laughs> Bold move. Sorry. I was like, well, to be fair, don't ask you, don't get, but like, yeah, you know, it's, can't blame them for trying. You know, or like, I'll say to someone, like, they go, oh, how much is it? And I mean, people that I know, not like close friends, but they go, oh, how much are you sending for? They go, 35 pounds. They go, oh, 
I'm like, well, don't buy one then. That's not yeah. really, you know, that's the sensible amount that I can sell them for in order to actually like eventually make a living from it. Yeah. And also I think that's very reasonable amount. I've got a bottle of myself and I think they're amazing and I wouldn't expect it to be any less than that because it's high quality. Yeah. And so I think for like a high quality product that, you know, obviously we've spent a lot of money on the branding, the packaging and all of that. For me, if I was going to invest heavily in the branding, the packaging, everything that's visual, the photography had to match. And I think if I looked at a brand's social media or website and the pictures, I could quite clearly see were either stock or they hadn't invested. But I mean, honestly, some of the clients that I've worked with, I'm like, you need to have a photo shoot. Yeah. You need to have one. I cannot work with these images to produce a website. Yeah. That's such a heavy part of a website, which you know we can get onto in a moment. But in terms of actually investing in that content to help you make your customers feel a certain way about that product, just having good quality images that make it look like a luxurious product that you've actually spent time putting that together. I think it's so important. 100%. And I think it comes down to you can't expect potential clients to value your product if you don't. So if you don't value that you need to invest time and money into creating, engaging and authentic content for your brand, then potential clients don't see that. If they see high quality images, they see high quality product. You know, they resonate with the fact that it is a product that you've put blood, sweat and tears into it. Yeah. And I think that can resonate so much with imagery. Yeah. Like crazy amounts. I know. I mean, I basically just went off how I personally feel with my shopping habits because I feel like I'm, <laughs> I know it sounds really silly, but I am my own best customer. So everything that I do, I have to make sure that I would feel pleased with that if I was buying it. Yeah. And so obviously with the photography, I was like, it just has to be, it has to be right. Obviously in terms of like turning it into a lifestyle sort of product. It's funny because the first shoot that we did wasn't, it was product based, but it was more like I'd had some product photography taken by another photographer called Abby who lives in Cornwall. She's doing some e-com stuff for me. And so she did all our e-com pictures, but in terms of getting the lifestyle stuff and actually developing a story, I always feel like, and many you know owners of brands don't really feel that they need to self-promote. I often feel like it's sometimes quite vain, but actually like at the end of the day, if it sells, I don't really care putting my face on camera, like let's just do it. I wanted to have some nice personal branded shots so that if I was sending stuff out to press, they would look at the picture and be like, oh, that's a really interesting story. There's something happening there. Yeah. So when I first reached out to you, I was like, please, can you take some like personal branded photos for me? Because I feel like it would kick off the storytelling. Yeah, 100%. And we, we created a bit of a theme behind the shoot as well. So we came up with, I think this also links really nicely and it's important to say is that you need to find a photographer or content creator that understands your brand. Yeah. That's the absolute fundamental thing. So I ask questions before the shoot of what do you want to portray in these images? Like, what do you want to say? What do you want these images to say? How do we set up a theme that will resonate with your images, but also you yourself? Like, what are you like as a person type thing? So yeah. we set up like a really nice picnic area, didn't we? And we shot yeah. some really nice summary content and you wanted to bring across the images that you can take your picnic with this bottle of wine. Yeah. This insulated bottle. So it was a very easy... This was easy... back in June, though. This was like when it was sunny, yeah. not now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you've put a, an amazing winter spin on it. Yes. You can do the same, but just on your winter walks rather than sitting down and freezing <laughs> with a picnic. Well, actually, yeah, let's talk about that because so we've done three different shoots and they're three very different sort of themes. They are very different. So the first yeah. was more like picnic. The second we shot in Chelsea, which was like woman on the move kind of wine but also workout sort of vibes and yeah. then as soon as we got into autumn I think I'd talked about this autumn shoot since I first met you I was like look we're gonna have to do this like I can just picture it now like tartan like in yeah, the park. Yeah, yeah. I think at one point a horse was mentioned <laughs> <laughs> We haven't quite got there yet. Maybe next year. <laughs> uh, because I was really keen to like keep the picnic story going. And obviously with lockdown 2.0, we can still go for a walk with our friends. 
which is great. But also, you know, with pubs closed and stuff, which is really sad, you can still go outside and have a drink with your friends, like by the river, you can take your mulled wine out. And I just wanted to make that a kind of key priority. Yeah. So obviously when we've shopped together, there's always been a story behind it. It's not just, okay, cool. Let's just get these props and these props and then kind of like mash them all together and hope that it works. Yeah. It's never been random. It's always been very planned out, which I think both of us with our work pride ourselves on planning beforehand. It's so essential to plan any shoot, especially when it's product related, because you want to nail it. And if it's all planned out, it goes smoothly. Then you can play around. Like when we were on that autumn shoot, we played around with different locations. Like we did one where we were in the Bracken area with all the orangey colors, but then we did somewhere you were walking and you can play around there, but the baseline was very planned out. And there was definitely storytelling in the visuals and there was emotion. And I think emotion in an image is so key. You want to be able to look at an image and be like, I can see myself doing that with that product. Exactly. And I think that's one of the most important things is like, I personally feel that with products, you have to get shots with people in it, even if it's, you know, faceless. If it has face in, fine, you know, it needs to be relatable. It needs to be relatable and put in a situation where your customers can relate to it. So obviously in the summer, you know, people's mood changes. So in the summer, obviously it was a very like pink summery shoot, rosé sort of vibes. And as we move into the winter, it was kind of a bit more moody. Red wine. Red wine, (laughs) wrapped up a bit warmer. But obviously because people's mindset change, I think one of the mistakes that people make when shooting content is going, okay, let's just do one shoot for the year and, you know, that'll be fine. We'll invest in it. We'll do a full day shoot. But actually, I don't think personally, that's a very productive way of marketing your brand because people's mindset changes in an instant. I mean, even with lockdown, like people's mindset just changed overnight when, okay, lockdown 2.0, you know, how are you going to help people relate to your brand now if you'd perhaps planned family Christmas shoots and stuff like that? Because we just don't know if that's going to happen, like Christmas parties, etc. Yeah. And I think also... If you did a four-day shoot in January for the whole year, I think that shows that you're not listening to your customers, that you're really good at putting polls out on Instagram about your product. So you actually value your customers who purchase your product and you want to know what do they want? What do they want? Like, What images do they want? What colors do they want? And you're really good at knowing that and understanding it and actually asking your customers, like people that are going to buy from you. And you're very open with new ideas. So say if I came to you and I think, Lucy, I think this would work really well for this shot. You'd be like, yay, nay, because you know your customers. And the only way you know your customers is by seeing what sells, but also asking them. So I think that's really important. Yeah. Another mistake that people make quite often is that to assume that you know what your customers want. And, you know, you might put a poll out there and only get two votes. Fine. That's okay. You do another one the following week. Guys, what do you want? Ask them specific questions because, you know, not only will it help with product development, but in terms of getting content and putting things out there with the right messaging, quite often I will know what my messaging is before I plan content because I'm like, okay, someone has said, does this cup have a lid? And I'm like, oh, actually, that's really not that obvious. So I'm then taking content like on my iPhone during the week, just like random stuff that I can to help portray that. And then obviously you're listening to your customers and you're putting out content that, you know, people want the answer to. Yeah. So yeah, it's very much customer led. And I think from the beginning, if you don't have an audience, it's a good way to build an audience because people love having their two pence and getting involved. Like I can't stress that enough. I mean, when I post polls, we get hundreds of votes. It's just obscene. Yeah, that's amazing. And actually, is it often as a whole, is it often what you'd expect or does sometimes it shock you, the results? Um, Do you know what? I I am surprised quite often. However, and I mean, little secret here, it's very, I mean, I'll listen to a poll if people say like, you know, it's very, very much high in the other way. But if it's kind of 50-50, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go with what my view is because I think this is better for the business. But it's funny because I know loads of brands that do polls and they're like, I only know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask so that people feel like they've been involved. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, you say that, but actually, if it was literally 90% one vote and 10% the other vote, and that 10% was what you were thinking, that would embed an idea into that person's mind of being like, actually, I should probably think about this or probably change it slightly. Yeah. I think with polls as well, we always get replies that are like, 
do you know what? At first I thought this, but having voted, I actually do kind of see where the other route is coming from. People that obviously I don't know will send messages being like, I really think this. And I love that. It's really cool. And that's fully invested into your brand. That's amazing. Love it. So good. Yeah, that's really special. I guess the other thing I want to talk about is I think, and you kind of touched on this earlier, but you know, back in the day with bloggers, there was like a very fine line between people taking pictures in their driveway and then actually knowing that people on Instagram want this like really curated feed. So we went through that time where it was so curated and like the pictures were amazing, but then it almost went back to the Instagram element of it, which is snap a picture and upload. And that's kind of where it's gone back to because while people still do like beautiful imagery and curated content and stuff, they want something that's a bit more raw as well. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that I think it's important to kind of have quite a good balance of the two. And that's why stories is great, I guess. But in terms of having professional and sort of more everyday stuff. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think a balance of the two is key. So having your professional product shots, which include people, is key. But then also the everyday snapping on your iPhone or whatever phone of you using your product of what it actually looks like in your hands if you were holding it on your way for a dog walk yeah that's also key because both sides are relatable and both sides sell so you need those high-end quality professional photos to show a high quality brand but then you also need the relatable iPhone snaps with no filters to show what it looks like as an everyday item yeah And it's funny because I went through a stage of partner and wine of being like, I really wanted to look like this. And this is a bit of a revelation, actually. But I wanted it to look like a really professional, big business that was like, you know, everything is luxury. We have all these amazing photographs. But about a month, I think I went through a stage and I was like, this isn't really getting me anywhere. I don't know what something needs to change. And I think that's an interesting thing for me to say, because I think people think that I always have my shit together. I don't know how to market products. Which I do, but sometimes but when it's you have, your own, it's probably very different. Yeah, you have to take a step back sometimes and go, okay, what happens with brands that I like and what do they do? And then I was like, do you know what? There's no reason why I shouldn't be showing my face on camera and telling people what's going on. Yeah, I'm not in a fulfillment center. I think that while it's a luxury product, it almost adds to the charm and people like to follow that story. So I then started posting less sort of curated content. And then obviously it's gone up a lot more and and lots of people are more involved. But just in terms of seeing a difference between posting curated only versus showing people inside like my at home fulfillment center and like having a laugh about it. And people like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, I love your content where on your stories where you post you sitting for hours with a glass of wine, packing up your boxes ready that are ordered. I think that's real life, what happens when you launch a product and when you're passionate about your product. I think it's so important to show that. And I think now more than ever, people want to invest in small brands and small businesses rather than, especially in the lead up to Christmas. So I've yeah. made it clear to myself that every present that I get for a family member or friend this year is going to be from a small brand yeah. rather than a big retailer. Do you know, it's absolutely amazing how many people are jumping on board with that. I just love it. Yeah. And I think that showing that you are a small brand, you started this on your own, everything you've done has been off your own back, you've invested your own money into it, you pour everything into this is so important to show because you get that on stories. When you're talking to the camera and being like, oh, this has been a hard day, I've got so many boxes to pack up, but I'm grateful for the orders. You show the reality of actually setting up a brand and doing it yourself I think with that, alongside the professional product photography that's on your page is like absolutely key. I think that works for any brand. Yeah, I agree. I also think it's one of those things nowadays. I mean, we've talked about it already, storytelling, but people love a story and people love a story behind a brand. You know, I think everyone's kind of just a bit sick at the moment of huge brands just making huge profits off people, you know, Mm -hmm. selling things for cheap. You know, while there is a market for that. I personally feel that let's support small businesses because actually you might buy something from a business that's only just started out. And in 10 years time, you'll see that they're like in a massive office with their own fulfillment center and like all of this stuff. And then you hear that they've sold their brand for X amount. And you're like, oh, I followed them when they literally just launched. Yeah, like, it's amazing. And you feel like you've been part of that journey. And I think, oh God, I've got goosebumps now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's so nice to, and I'm not talking about myself anymore. I'm just generally speaking about brands that I've worked with, that I've been part of their journey or people that I've bought from that, you know, I know for a fact have just got like millions of pounds investment and like, they're really just absolutely killing it. And you just feel so, it just makes you feel so happy that you've known about it and you've been part of that story and you've added to it. Yeah, 100%. Was it you that put up a meme? And it was like, every time you buy a product from a small business, the person behind the screen's doing happy dance. Oh, yeah. Well, people always say that. And I'm like, my version of it is every time someone makes an order for my business, the small business owner says, fuck, yeah, I knew this was a good idea. Because like, <laughs> and you do a happy dance, but it also like really validates what you're doing. Yeah, 100%. It's like, oh yeah, it's a happy dance. And I'm, I mean, I swear I've got an awful potty mouth. My parents will hear me from the other room. I mean, now I've moved into my own fact, probably not. But like, you'll hear me from the other room going, fuck yeah. yeah. And then my mum's like, woo, let's blow the order whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how amazing is that? You can't put a price on that. You know, giving someone confidence and almost people are validating your product. It's a great product and you know it but someone purchasing from you is validation to you that you're friggin' nailing it. You should be so proud. I can't tell if you're like speaking in the third person or like just speaking to me. I'm speaking to you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks this whole time. I'm like, are we saying this to other people? I feel like we're <laughs> talking to me and to everyone else. So if you're listening to this and you're selling a We're product, proud of you too. <laughs> we're proud of you too. You're fucking smashing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I want to touch on something. When you spoke about then big brands and storytelling, I went on. So when Apple first launched, how they marketed themselves was through what the software does, what it's like, user usability. So what it's like as a user to use an iPhone, how amazing it is, blah, 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 blah. They've reverted to how a small business would brand themselves. So what we spoke about with storytelling, if you go on their socials, their like social slogan is everyone has a story to tell. And if you've seen the Apple adverts, the ones on the tube and stuff are from users' photos. So photos yes. that users have taken on their iPhone. And that's how they're now branding themselves. So they've almost seen that the software photos and brandings doesn't quite cut it now. They've gone back to like the storytelling approach. Yeah. They've changed their whole marketing strategy using users' photos to brand. So it not only connects you, a customer, with their product through the storytelling and emotion, but also conveys how you use the product and why you, in inverted commas, like need it. So why you need their product so you can take photos like them. Yeah. So it's like, it's really interesting seeing how big brands are now almost going back to that personal storytelling, hitting emotion imagery rather than a computer generated software image for their brand. It's so interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And actually, I think that's quite a good point because I always say to clients who are starting out, depending on what we're doing, whether we're doing branding, website or whatever. So now I'm talking about my other business. She's a lunatic. <laughs> I always say to them, let me know some brands that you admire. And it doesn't have to be anything to do with what you're doing. You might be a fashion brand, but you admire Apple's adverts, just for example. And tell me what specifically you like about it. Yes, love that. So in terms of, you know, this could be related to anything. It could be related to branding. So it could be related to a font that they like okay, I don't like this aspect, but I do like this aspect. And I think by doing your research, rather than just going into it blindly, you will understand actually what it is that you don't like to understand what it is that you do like. Yeah, 100%. And it could be down to a color palette. Yeah. The brand could be totally irrelevant to you, but if you like their color palette and you see your brand in that color palette, you almost like, I love that you do that because... I think asking someone to break down what it is, they probably don't know themselves, but they need someone to ask that question in order for them to just unravel it and yeah. for it to make sense. Yeah, it's almost like that prompt. And I think that's a kind of, you know, sometimes if you don't have any clue about these sorts of things, that's the benefit of working with a professional because you get the chance to have those brainstorms rather than, I mean, countless times clients come to us and they're like, oh, well, I've had this done by someone else, but I'm really not happy with it. And I can see why that is. It's because they're like, oh, I told them who I liked. And I'm like, well, but that's not relevant to what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of go through that whole process. But I think in terms of photography and content and all of that sort of stuff, go and look at pages that you like the look of, go and look at businesses that you would buy from and make a note of everything that they're doing on stories, on their yeah. website, what kind of photography do they use on their... Have I said social media? No. But basically, 
everywhere. Just look at yeah. everything across the board. And I know it's a time-consuming task, but I really do feel like that helps because it, it will benefit you in the long run. Yeah. And you can then have a look into their strategy and you can see how they do it. Yeah. My first response to say, if someone approaches me about doing a shoot, my first response will always be, I'd love to see some visuals. Could you send over any images that you love and you'd like to get similar to? And then I have a better understanding of what you're aiming for, because what I might think might look good for your brand. You might not want to go down that route. So I need to see, I'm a very visual person and I would recommend this to anyone who's got a brand or starting out a brand or product related consumer based business. If you're investing some time and some money into someone that's going to create your content, they are likely to be a very visual person. So any visuals is going to help them understand your brand. So it goes back to what you said when you say to future clients that approach you, when you say, give me some that you love the look of. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's font, color palette, how they base themselves online, just give them visuals. And I always do that with future clients that I get any emails or Instagram DMs that come in. If they want to book in a shoot, I will always ask for visuals because I then can see if there's a running theme with the poses, for example, of either the product or the person. If there's a running theme with the location, if it's like a water-based, if they want to shoot in a pool, if they want to shoot down like a pink street, do you know what I mean? It goes down to, they might not notice it themselves, but I'll be able to see a running theme with all these images. And that's how you refine and nail any shoe for your product is if you give that person that's creating that content for you visuals to work from. And then the exciting part comes when you bounce ideas back and forth. Yeah. So when you'd be like, what about this? What about that? Oh yeah, that looks great. And then you nail the perfect shoot. You completely refine it down to like the really small details. And then it eases the pressure off when you actually go and shoot because you know both parties know what they're going for. Yeah. So it's so important. Pre-planning and visuals before any shoot for your product is definitely essential. Yeah, it really is. And I think also in terms of doing shoots often and stuff, you will get the content that you want in your first shoot. And then you're like, do you know what? I've realized we haven't done X, Y, and Z, but you know, we can integrate that into our next shoot. So like, say for you and I, for our shoot next week, I've got like a load of notes written down of products, shots that I'm kind of missing or that I would like to emphasize. Oh, to shoot your lids on your cups. Yes, that is top on the list. <laughs> yeah, because like we both realized, we haven't actually spoken about this, but we both realized we didn't shoot any of those on the last autumn shoot. We didn't shoot any of the cups with the lids. We focused on pouring the wine into the cups and yeah. showing how those cups are used and how much wine you can put into those cups. Yeah. But we didn't show the lids which is actually a really great part of it because you can close it. So for example, if you had hot mulled wine in there, you can keep it hot by closing the mouthpiece of the lid. And let me tell you actually what someone commented on Instagram yesterday, totally random. She commented below saying, I've just ordered a black one tumbler to carry my cup of tea out to my studio because I saw one in your stories that it has a lid. You could mention that more often as it was the biggest draw for me. My tea was getting rained on in a regular mug. Right. Perfect. There you go. Listening to your customers. Yeah. Listening to customers. I did actually already know that we needed to do that, but yeah, she did say that. And then it kind of solidified it for me. The other thing that we haven't got many pictures of is that I realized this morning is the stainless steel tumbler. Yeah. Because we get so carried away with the colors. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, reds, (laughs) reds, greens. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. So, um, don't be like downbeat on yourself. You're like, Oh, I've paid for the shoot, but I haven't got X, Y, and Z. It's like, it's cool. You can do it next time. Yeah. Then I guess the last, oh my God, I feel like we've got so much value out of this. This conversation just like makes me really happy. I mean, I feel like I've learned stuff as well. (laughs) Something that my clients ask me, and I find this a hard question to answer because everyone has a different budget, right? You have a different total budget. People say, what budget should I be setting aside for content creation? And it's a hard one because I don't, even though I run two businesses, I don't actually have like a budgeting spreadsheet. I'm like, I go with what I think is reasonable. And what I think I can reasonably afford that specific month based on sales or I know what money is kind of coming in the pipeline for Sassy and stuff like that. Yeah. But I just wondered if you had any, I mean, most photographers or like service-based businesses would go, the thing is though, is the value that you'll get from this. But I don't know if that's necessarily helpful for clients, like how much budget should you really be setting aside for it? I think it comes down to how many images you almost need 
I think going through it by season to season. So I think the first thing is great to set aside maybe budget for like four shoots a year. Yeah. As a minimum, because I think that's kind of how we're doing it with Partner in Wine, because we're doing it seasonal. But also from the first shoot with me, you know how many images you're getting per shoot and how long you can run those images through on socials that you're not repeating the images. Yeah. Do you know what though? I get, I get through a week and I'm like, hmm, I need another shoot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably because you're looking at the images and you yourself are looking at the images so much that you're almost like, I've seen this image, but actually you know what? as it's... a consumer point of view, sorry. Yeah. They haven't seen them yet. And also like, it's that repetitiveness, like someone might not see one picture, but they'll see the next. But for me also, it's, I think as a business owner, when you post a picture, that's the first time that your customers have seen that product. Mm -hmm. I have been looking at these products for months beforehand. Yeah, you freaking live with them. Yeah. I actually have something really exciting to show you next week because I've got something new and... (laughs) I get so excited whenever I know a shoot's coming up. I know you've already <laughs> thought about another item. I know. And I always hope there's something new because I get so excited. I've to got see something it. and we need to shoot in January. That's the urgency on it. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that gives a clue as to what it is, but it's it's a new colour. It's a, It is a new colour, but it's something very specific. And so Ooh. I will talk to you about that next week. But yeah, so I think that's the other thing is I get bored with the content because I'm like, I want to shoot this next thing. I'm like, I need to do it. <laughs> and you get excited about it as well, which is, you know, you can't I put know. a price on being excited about your own brand. I know, always on to the next thing I am, literally. Yeah. But back to this, how much you should budget. I think it's getting an idea. So I think the first point would be is find a content creator, photographer, videographer that you love the style of. From there, you go to them and you ask them what their fee would be for X, Y, and Z. So for example, if you've got a shoot in mind, give them the visuals, say, I want something similar to this, but this is my product. Talk to them about your product. What does your product do? Do you want your images to showcase For example, if we use Partner in Wine, it's key every shoot that we have together to showcase the bottle and the mug and to showcase how you pour into them. So for example, customers can then see how you actually use. So the visuals of the product, but then also the usability. So customers relate to how they can actually use it. Can they see themselves using their product in that way? So go to your content creator and talk to them and just be open and honest and be like, this is what I want from this shoot. Give them as much as possible on that first initial point of call, because for them, they don't know you, they don't know your product, they don't know what you want from the shoot. So as much information as possible, then they'll give you a rate. And then I think this goes back to what you feel comfortable with. And I think investing, well, I know investing in good quality images, you're going to get it repaid instantly in sales. You're going to get that repayment from sales. And then over the course of time, you know how much the imagery is costing you in terms of how much you're, and it's like we're talking as if the imagery is really expensive. It doesn't need to be at all but how much sales you're generating from this. Yeah, also it is that point. And it's also the point of, okay, how many products do I need to sell to cover the cost of this shoot? Yeah, 100%. And I always, always think about that in terms of like, I mean, I've just hired a PR agency and the price that we got to, I felt comfortable with because I knew that I could sell that much. Well, I mean, actually the cost I paid, I ended up selling in a day a few days ago, but- And how amazing is that? one of those things. Yeah. So anything on top of that is just a sort of bonus. But the one thing that I found from obviously like a customer point of view to finding a photographer, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't even shop around because I just knew that you would get my vibe. So there's that. (laughs) But also (laughs) I personally don't like compromising on price for quality. And that's just who I am. I just won't do it because I I know that in terms of business, I have to stay true to that because Mm. I think that that's the way that works. Whereas I know people that go, I've actually found someone cheaper, so I'm going to go with them. But you're then not working with the person that you wanted to work with. And sometimes that does purely come down to cost and that, you know, that's absolutely fine. But one day you will be able to work with that person. Yeah. But also in terms of, you know, people asking for discounts and stuff like that, you know, you don't have to ask for a discount. You can go, okay, do you know what? Now I know what your total day rate, what would the price be for a half a day? would you consider doing a couple of hours and what would be the price for that? And then you might feel more comfortable with that. 
Yeah, 100%. And I think don't be afraid to say, okay, I actually don't think I do need a whole day shoot. I think maybe we could just do this. And like, would you be okay to do that? Or just ask those questions because, you know, don't ask, don't get. Exactly. Like respecting the person's, this is not talking about me and you because you are an amazing person to work with, but I've had clients before where they have turned around and been like, well, I can't afford this. So I'm going to find someone else. It's like, okay. (laughs) But like, if you ask it in a completely different way, you know, you're like, I really value your work, or I know that this is something that can work like longevity. Would you consider doing if we did four shoots in a month? Would you consider doing it for the price of three? You know, don't be afraid to ask, but maybe come back with an option that works for both of you. So the content creators, knowing that they're getting consistent work in, but then you also know you're getting a discounted rate for the amount of images that you're getting. So definitely don't be afraid to ask. But I think massive key thing in any business is just to be kind to people, kind and respectful. And that goes like the longest way. Oh, I totally agree. And you know what's so nice about what we both do is that all the people that I work with are just so nice. Yeah, I feel so lucky that I've had to quarantine for the last 10 days because my housemate tested positive for COVID. And I was dreading having to phone. Before I posted anything online about having to stay in for 10 days, I called every single one of my clients that I had a shoot booked in, including yourself. And, you know, I told them the situation. I was just like, look, this is so difficult and I hugely apologize and I received the nicest feedback from everyone being like don't worry at all we'll just reschedule it's not a problem and I've just had all those shoots rescheduled and it's just clarifies to me that I work with the most amazing clients that are so lovely and that I feel so privileged to go to work every day and it feels like I'm working with friends yeah so I think coming back to the whole product photography you want to find someone that you work with on amazing business level, but also as a friendship level that you can actually be honest and open with and be like, I want to do this. What do you think about that? Do you want to like shoot something like this? How do you feel? So you can talk to them as a friend, but it works amazingly as a business level as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I totally agree. And I also think in terms of just like taking a price and going, well, I'm going to go work with someone else. If I get emails like that, I always reply and I'm like, tell me what your budget is and I'll try and make a compromise for you and say, you know, we can do X, Y, and Z, but you'll need to do X, Y, and Z too. Yeah, 100%. I think sometimes that's quite a nice way to... Yeah, like I've had clients before approach me, I've given them my rate and they've been like, well, it's slightly out of budget. This is my budget. What are you able to do within that budget? And then I go back and it's a complete compromise that I can give them this in that budget. It might be the same amount of shooting, but less images. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's always room to compromise. But I think if yeah. you just speak with each other in like a really kind and respectful manner, that just goes further than anything. Yeah, definitely. I think that was a really nice place to finish our podcast. Oh, I've loved that. Thanks so much for having me on board. I feel like I've learned a lot from you. Yeah, we could talk about this for hours. I just know we could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have to, whenever we do a shoot, we have to almost like meet 10 minutes before so we can get our waffle out the way and then get down to business. And also we'll like start waffling on in the middle of the shoot and we're like, okay, right, sorry, let's just get back to what, what we're actually meant to be doing. And like, we're looking at the, the clock like, oh my gosh, how long have we got left? Like, how long have you been here for? Like, <laughs> It's so funny. Oh, I love it. It does feel like working with a friend. It's amazing. Oh, it feels like working with a friend for me too. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom Thanks with us. Having me, mate. I really loved it. I'm seeing you next week so we can carry on our catch up. And I can't wait to see this new either product or idea that you've got in mind. Yeah, also, it's your first time coming to my new pad. I'm so excited. And I get to meet Woody. Yes, little Woody Woody. <laughs> it's very exciting. Well, thank you so much. And I hope oh, you're quarantined. I was going to say, I hope you have a good day. But yeah, I do hope you have a good day anyway. Regardless <laughs> <laughs> of quarantining or not. <laughs> no, I will. I will. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me on board, my lovely. I've loved it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you found value in that, whether you are looking to launch a product yourself or you're just interested in the process make sure you subscribe to the podcast and please, please, please leave a review if you enjoyed this episode or you are enjoying the series. It really does mean a lot to have your feedback and to know that you guys are listening and involved. So yeah, please do go and subscribe and make sure you're following me on Instagram. You can follow me at Lucy Hitchcock underscore. You can follow at The Winging It Podcast. And if you want digital marketing tips, you can follow at Sassy Digital. And obviously, 
if I've got any breath left, please go and follow at Partner in Wine UK, where as well as posting about all of our latest products and everything that we're launching, I do make sure that we do plenty of behind the scenes so you can see exactly what it is like to run a product-based business. And I'll be back next week with another episode. 